There you go. I'm out of practice. We haven't done this. It feels like fucking ages since we've done this. It has. Well, it's been. This is no time to die. And even then, we did it in person. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. That's one half of the Omcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. In this episode, we're talking about the sci-fi epic Dune, or is it Dune? Yes. Directed by Denis. Vin- How do you spell? Sir, pronounce his name? Uh, I would say Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Denis. But Villeneuve. that's because yeah. Um, of the 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 Canadian racing driving uh, family. Okay. But. Um, I heard people say Villeneuve. Yeah, it's pronounced in different ways, but it's the guy, everyone knows, he's a big deal. He directed Arrival, he directed Blade Runner 2049, he directed uh, Sicario, he directed Prisoners, he's directed lots of stuff, and he's a big deal. Uh, and this he's, is a big passion project that he's been wanting to do for years, is June, um, and this also stars everyone who's ever been in a movie <laughs> for the last 10 years. Um, is in this basically it's a ridiculous cast it's like every time a new character turns up oh for fuck's sake it's another massively famous person yeah um yeah so i would i would just add to that that in my opinion denis Villeneuve is uh yeah in my opinion the greatest actor uh the greatest director that is currently working um okay of the modern era not of like the spielberg scorsese era because i don't think he has that legacy yet but right. I think out of all of like the the sort of the modern talent, should we say, I think he's um yeah he's I think very he's incredible. Much, he's very much become that over the last couple of years, and particularly like with this and the way they're pitching this, like the, from that from him as a director is like front and center in the marketing, and he's kind of he's becoming a bit like Nolan, yeah, in that sense where he him as a name, he's you know carries a lot of weight, and it's like yeah the the star that of the director, um which we haven't had like you say there was. We had Spielberg and we had Tarantino's and stuff like that. And then there was a bit of a, a, a long sort of 20 year gap where that didn't really happen. And now it feels like we're circling back to it and we're having the likes of Nolan and Denis Villeneuve and all these guys coming through who like their name is, oh shit, they're directing it. Right, we better go and see it then. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, but anyway, this has been a long time coming. Um, obviously there was lots of delays and stuff due to the COVID um, you know, pandemic. Uh, it was meant to come out last year. At one point, it was going to go straight to HBO Max, no theatrical release, which made you know there was a massive um, kickoff about that. And I remember, like, famously, it was um, what was it? Uh, Timothy Chalamet turned up on Saturday Night Live wearing a Legendary Pictures T-shirt the whole way through it in support yeah. of them. So because he was like, that, that shit, you shouldn't be putting it out just on HBO Max. Because again, similar, very similar to Nolan. Actually, um, they're very much auteurs of and all about cinema. These guys. Um, and want to preserve the cinema cinematic experience. Um, but we yeah. went to go and see it last night. We're a little bit late than we would usually be for various reasons. We've taken a bit of a break in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And so it's been out for about a week now. Um, and we managed to go and see it last night. Um, and yeah, Dune, what do you think? Uh, it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Absolutely fucking incredible. One of the best films that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. Uh, absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah, loved wow. every second of it. Wow, okay. There are a couple of things that I have a slight issue with, but that's because I'm a book wanker. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, absolutely blew my fucking mind. 
Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. How about um, you? Right. Well, we'll get into it. I mean, yeah, I, I really <laughs> liked it. I really, really liked it. I didn't, I wasn't blown away and as in love with it as you are, clearly. Yeah. And I think that what's interesting is, and we've kind of chosen to do this because this has obviously been coming for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we've sort of, we talked about how we were going to approach it and, and how much I should get into it beforehand. Even so much as should I watch, because this is, this is a remake in a way. This is a, the second mm-hmm. attempt of third. Um, third yeah no yeah cool. it's it was a, TV a tv show, show wasn't it yeah so there's been several attempts over the years to adapt this novel um the frank herbert dune series um mm. there was a the movie the, the was it david lynch yeah um did the movie back in the 80s um uh, and then there was also tv shows there's been a sequel tv shows like children of dune with um james mcavoy my favorite thing. yeah um, so there's been lots of different versions of it. And over the year, as this has been delayed, I've been, we've debated whether I should go back and watch all those to try and get my head into it. And we decided not to. And yes. so what it meant was that uh, as of yesterday morning, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into apart from the trailers for this particular movie. So I, yeah. I knew the very basics and that's it. Um, whereas you, how many times have you read the book? Uh, three, two, okay. three. Yeah. So you're well versed um, in the whole thing, but you know, yeah. The- so that's full waves through. Like, there are times that I've read it, I've gotten a quarter of the way in and stopped, then started again, got a third of the way in and stopped. Because it is the thing is, it's it's excruciating in places. It's incredible, but its own eye for detail and world building and layering and a pit and like varying points of view is vast. So yeah. it's. It's quite tough. And if you have a night where you've read 20 or 30 pages and you've like blank read a little bit and you're like, oh, fuck, what's who's Mistress Irulan again? And what's the what's yeah. the Fade Rather? And what's yeah, there's the a, there's a Benny Jesuit? There's a lot of sci-fi names thrown out there. A lot of like shit to get your yeah. head around. Um, now, I do want to cover this like briefly because um, one of the things that there's the sort of the slight outreach or outrage as, as is inevitable in the world at the moment um, is that this is taken a lot from sort of Islamic and Asian cultures and Arabic cultures, not really given any representation to that, which uh, yeah, we accept is a, is a thing mm-hmm. because yes, but it was also written in 1965 and it was written in a very different time and they've done a great job in adapting the book and introducing a very diverse cast but it still falls into some of the pitfalls that are going to be part of a book that was written in 1965 so there's no way around that really but um that's to say that we have you know we are recognizing that but there's only very little criticism that we can throw in that so yeah true um and you can see like those, those real world parallels in terms of you know like the ottoman empire and things and the idea of desert power and all that kind yeah. of stuff like the the, the the bedouin people and how you and how they can you know harness the power of their their land against you and that's the idea because like the the central story of this film and it's not the story of june as a whole but the central story of this film is about the planet Arrakis, and it, so we are in a, a sci-fi universe where there is there's an empire with a number of planets, and there are a number of houses that swear fealty to this emperor. And it's, it's it feels a little bit like the sort of the Game of Thrones setup, where there are houses, and houses have 
different levels of power or they yeah, are in like charge a feudalist. Of yeah. But then there are, you know, some houses have got they've got all the political power, but some other houses have all the economic power because they've got the most resources. So the idea is that there's an emperor in the middle of it all who has to balance and and sort everything out. Yeah. Um, and this particular movie is all about the fight for control of a particular planet called Arrakis. Um, yes, the titular Dune. Yeah, um, which is the it's like the central point for the whole empire because it's got this particular substance on it that allows them to for space travel. Is that it's a a spice that is mined from there, which you need for space travel, um, and therefore yeah. it's like strategically the most important planet on in the galaxy or whatever. Um, but there there are loads of like layered elements to it in terms of all the um, politics and why certain houses have are in charge of it and then they're not anymore, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's what this first film is all about. But what I will say is that you've got to bear in mind that this is, and they even put it up at front, June part one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which we were discussing is probably a late stage edition. Maybe because they've just it, literally this week now the, the movie came out last week I think in most um, territories and within the last couple of days they've now confirmed that yes June part two is um, greenlit it's happening we're looking for a 2023 release date. Yeah, great, thank God for that and that that's good. I think that we people need to know that going in there and I think that's going to help this movie a lot. The fact they've announced that as well um, because people know that it's worth sticking with because a lot of this, a lot of the time, you know, there are things coming out. There's so much content being produced at the moment that it's hard to know what to sort of dedicate your time to. And like prime mm. example of it, I've been watching why the last man recently and getting into that okay. and then they've just canceled it. Really? Yeah. They've canceled it before the end of the first series already. So I'm like, all oh, right, well, I'm not going to bother watching that anymore then because why would you, why would you invest your time in something that has no future? Yeah, and it's like that's they they've already like the way they've handled Dune already. They've kind of gone, no, you know what? We can see the numbers have come in. We've done a great opening weekend. Let's just go. Okay, we're doing another one. Um, and it's been getting great. Uh, obviously, you know, critics reviews and things. I mean, to my mind, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I will say there are things that I wish they'd done more of or they spent more time with because I feel like mm-hmm. they sort of because there's so much that they have to build in terms of world world building they yeah. sort of just give you the the cliff notes versions of a lot of stuff and then move on and i feel like they would have been better placed giving you less of that and more character stuff in this particular movie i think um but that's just that's not my personal opinion for it i don't know um but yeah. I, I will say like the first act like the first sort of 40 minutes um is tough <laughs> like because there's just there's just <laughs> it just there's just so if you go in cold like i have like, i have literally there's like right okay in the first five minutes it's like right okay so there's a planet arrakis this guy's having dreams okay all right right he's got a special power where he can command people to do things if you put on a certain voice right okay that's something his mum's part of a religion and he's part of this house but they're not the house that were in there they've been kicked off and there's an emperor and then there's someone coming from the emperor to, right okay so and then and then okay, so that's Jason Momoa. And right, he what's he then? He's a pilot. Okay, uh, there's so much to try and like figure out. Yeah. Um, and then just it's scene after scene. Once you get yeah, you have a scene with like the Baron or whatever, and find out what he's all about. And then that is immediately followed up by a scene with um Paul's mother, played by Rebecca Ferguson. And then you find out about her religion and the idea that there's a there's a messiah, you know, messianic figure, but they have different names for it. Sometimes they call it the ones, sometimes they call it the <laughs> whatever. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and then they have a different name for it on Arrakis. And it's like, <laughs> there's just so much. There's just, there is a, there's a lot a going on. A lot to get into. Um, and I will say that, yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a, yeah, it, it, it throws you in the deep end and just tries to give you the, just the minimum, yeah, the, all the information you need to understand what's going to happen later on in the story. Um, and then I think, yeah, about an hour in, we get a big, like, inciting incident with a, with, when you see one of the sandworms for the first time. And that's where it all clicked <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. I think that's where it was like, right. And it was like, put all the stuff that we've been talking about, all the, the politics, the, 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 again, like they keep talking, oh, they share their world with the sandworms. We don't see them. We just hear about them. Or we understand how, you know, collecting spice and we don't, but we don't see it. We just hear about it. And then everything just comes together in that one scene where, and you see like what, um, Oscar Isaac's character is all about, and he like isn't you know yeah. he's a man of action. He's because up to that point he's just been a guy talking in a room a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like there's lots of talking in rooms. Yeah, and then finally you know it, it all gets put into action in that one scene, and then it all clicks. And from that point on, it's it's great. I thought yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I yeah, like I, I'm gonna gush a bit, but it's it's a book that I started reading when I was a teenager. And struggled to get through and it was i think it was my early 20s when i finished it and it sort of became it became the touch point where i was like right this is where it all came from yeah yeah and i can see that now like from as a film fan you're watching it and going oh there's a little bit of star wars in here or there's a little bit of game of thrones or a little bit of that it's like yeah but all of those came after this yeah all of that came from this was because when was the book published it was like it wasn't it late 60s i think 60s yeah um and it is yeah very much like yeah it's one of those templates in terms of like the the isaac asimov and frank herbert they're the ones who just like set the groundwork for these yeah huge spanning stories yeah because Um, so asimov um as you're watching foundation at the moment aren't you yeah, so you yeah. would sort of have a better understanding of that like i didn't i was never really a sort of foundation it always felt like a i don't know it felt really heavy it felt a bit too big yeah. but then sort of looking back at it you're like actually it's just it's not actually it's a series of like short stories that are all interlinked so there's a difference between what is one huge sprawling narrative yeah with june and yeah it's interesting that they have there are because like, like i say i'm watching that series at the moment and they're about to get into all the back end of their first series and it's interesting yeah. they both sort of come out at the same time because i'll be really interested to see what you think if you get into it now now there's been a few wrapped up it'll be good for you to like binge watch it yeah but it is like they're taking two different tacks in terms of adapting these like there are similarities in terms of the ideas of like it's empires and religions and how they you know and power that you know and how that works across on a galactic scale um and things that play out over centuries and things that play out over generations and like you know people playing the long game which is something that comes into june as well the idea that these religions have got plans that they lay that go you know we think about things in terms of hundreds of years not not now yeah and that's something that's also in you know very much so in foundation um and even like aesthetically things like the 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 personal shields that they have um are in both versions so there's definitely a lot of similarities i'll be interested to see what you think actually um yeah because and that's because i don't know i do want to i don't want to sort of 
get too into foundation but like one of the things with um uh june is sort of talking about like the feudalism is how like the guns yeah there, there are there aren't guns no like, everyone's running around fighting with swords yeah it's and weird. that's because of the advent of shields okay so shields are meant to uh, shields are there and it's what is it what, what's it um Gurney says he says it's like the slow blade pierces the shield. Yeah, so if you and shot it's... someone with a gun, it would just bounce off. So therefore, yeah, it just bounce off. To... So they're they're useless. Yeah. Okay. So guns are yeah. useless, and then energy weapons cause a feedback loop, so they don't use energy weapons on personal on a personal level. Yeah. So, so they, you, yeah. and the, the only thing that's effective is they've actually gone so far forward they've had to go backwards, and that's. Again, what I love about it is that he he logistically thought it out, and he's like, "Well, actually, yeah, you can if you if you're good enough with the with a sword, you can find the edges. You know, there, there's a line in the book about finding like finding the way through on the shield and um, being able to go right the expertise of swordsmen, and that's why all these warriors are so good at what they do, like the Sardikar, for example." Yeah. are all like these feared uh because they're such experts and like uh jason momoa plays duncan idaho yeah. who's this legendary warrior yeah he's and, the, he's and my new hero yeah <laughs> and like gurney halleck as well like uh brolin like yeah it's it's good because like, when i read the book i always saw him as like a much older man like mm. a man that would have been like like a sean connery-esque sort of guy that's like in the rock if you know what I mean, yeah. So well, like no, he's, no, James Bond. So he's he's we, we kind of <laughs> James so like, in the Rock. Sean Connery plays James Bond. Yeah, and it's a sequel to No Time to Die because he didn't actually die. He was just like floating in the water, and then they found him and locked him up in Alcatraz. <laughs> Leave me alone. Because he found he took the microfilm about who killed JFK. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always saw him as a much older and like slightly less capable man. Than what they've done with Brolin, who's fucking boss. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, like all the characters in it are just sort of so well led in, and you know, historically, when you look at like the 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 foundation of where it all comes from, excuse the pun, mm. but it just all works for me. And having seen and read and understood that all in the past, and seeing it come to life, like truly. Yeah, I think that's what this is being pitched as is like this is the adaptation that fans have been waiting for. This is like for people yeah. who've like been upset, you know, because there are a lot of fans. This is a big franchise in terms of, you know, fans. And you, like you said, you know, people, friends of yours who aren't into sci fi but love Dune. Yeah. Um, and this is what they, it's like a proper version of it. Like what we got in the 80s didn't really, I mean, have you, you've seen that film, I, I assume. Yes, but a long time ago, um, and it was—it wasn't a joyful experience when no. I watched it. No, yeah, I might I, be able to go back and look at it with like a cult, like seeing it as like a cult film. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Is like it's a cult classic. That's what people have sort of told me about it. Um, but all yeah. I've, I've also seen, you know, it's Sting and a codpiece. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> that's someone that we need to talk about as well. Um, um, he's a very absent character in this, right. and I think he'll play a much. Uh, the, so he's a character. So the Sting Emperor. plays a character called Fade Rauther. Right. Uh, Fade Rauther is um, the other nephew of Baron Harkonnen. Uh, the Beast, 
who is played by uh, Dave, Dave Batista, Batista. Yeah. is the is is his nephew as well. Right. So he's the other one, and he's the um, uh, he's like the the dark reflection of Paul. Okay. So he's he's like the oh he's he could be this, but he's not. He's that's the Harkonnen yeah, okay. equivalent. That's interesting that they haven't put him in there then in this. Yeah, film. that's they, they, that's. I think he's like Denny. You get the feeling that he like like I say this has been his passion project, something he's wanted to do for years and years. And like even like it's crazy to me that he for him uh, Blade Runner was a stepping stone so that he could make Dune. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> but, but it's fucking Blade Runner. You're making a sequel to Blade Runner. I'm like, yeah, but I want really what I really want to do is Dune. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I really want to remake that film that everyone yeah hated. Yeah, that, well, that's like this is what remakes should be. There should be when the films didn't work, and then you make a remake of it and do it properly. Like, yeah, this is what yeah a good remake should be, not just a remake for the sake of it with the exact same like, um, just cashing in on intellectual property, which is not what that, this is at all. Um, no, this is very well. That's the thing. Like, I know there's a lot of gaps in here, but I I have faith that things are gonna be. Yeah, and so do I. Addressed I like or that worked like. through. I want to know more. Like I'm left now wanting to know more. I want to know more about the 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 politics of the Imperium. I want to know more about um, the religion of um, yeah Rebecca Ferguson's character and what their their long term plan is because you get the the sense of them a little bit. And there's I can't remember what the name of the woman is who who tests Paul, um, uh, the Reverend Mother. Yeah, and she's like the truth sayer or something, isn't she? she uh, she's a they, truth sayer. But the idea is that there's like, yeah, there's one of them in every like royal court or every um, house court. Yeah. And they're like in the background, like steering the politics. And they're the ones who like are playing the long game. I've got this idea. Of, and then, yeah, she even makes this comment about, you know, we've been crossing bloodlines for generations trying to produce the one, this one mind who can bridge yeah. the, the um, you know, time and space. But like in this movie, that is just like one line given to that. Yeah, and then that's so, it. Like, I want more. I want to know more about that. I want to know what the long game is. I want to know what. Yeah, I want to know everything about that. Um, but I have faith that they are going to do that. Um, yeah, I feel like this one is very, very plot driven, and we have to get to a certain point. And so, therefore, they they sort of they book it through. Particularly once once that sandworm incident happens, it's all plot yeah. from then right to the very end, basically. Yeah, and it's uh, I can definitively say like it's going to get much darker. There's a lot yeah. more that happens, like the. Uh, um, so it's alluded to when he has his, when they're in the tent. Yeah. And he sort of, he screams a certain thing, and what he says, and you're like, okay. Is like, that, this yeah, is a... that I want more of that as well. So we're 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 sort of dancing around it a little bit, and we'll try not to spoil. But I think one of the central. Um, relationships of the movie is the relationship between Paul and his mother and the one thing yeah. that I wish that I wish that they had maybe got rid of a couple of the more expository scenes and had more scenes between them mm. just exploring the, that outburst that he has in the tent and having some sort of resolution to it after the fact because it's kind of they have like two major conversations about it and then that's kind of it they have to just get on with surviving yeah. and I feel like it would have been to have an emotional through line for this particular movie it would have been more satisfying as a movie in and of itself if that had been resolved, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, or at least they had had a big conversation about, yeah, her and him, what she hope, her hopes for him and how he, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
but they didn't. They kind of he had that outburst, and then that was like the last they talked about it, really. Um, yeah. So I feel like that that's another sort of minor criticism. Like I'm I'm nitpicking with this, really. Um, yeah, but there, the, there there are things that can, you know it's not perfect. No, and I, but I feel yeah. like it's hard. I find it hard to sort of to pick holes in this one at the moment as well because it very much feels like I just watched Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, and I that's... haven't seen the rest of it yet, so I can't tell you know I me. Mean? So it just ends on a on a point where it's like, okay, now what? But yeah. like, even even in so in like the way the film is structured. So before we get into spoilers, like, I just want to talk like the way the film is structured is kind of it's counterintuitive, in a way. Like there's a big like action set piece, like spectacular climactic stuff happens, but it happens like halfway through the film. Yeah, and it's it looks amazing. It's like it's all shot at night, so there's like there's an element of like you know seeing what's going on, but it's like and it's smoke and it's just and but all these like, yeah, the attack on the palace and all that sort of stuff. And it's amazing. But that feels like the big crescendo that you would get to at the end of a movie, but it happens halfway through. Yeah. And then what the, the big, what you do get at the very end of the movie is a much more personal, like there is an action element to it, but there is much smaller in scale. Um, so it does yeah. feel kind of, a, there's a bit of anticlimax to it. And I can understand why that would annoy people. Um, but again, knowing where it's going, I kind of get it. Yeah. And this is like a necessary point because the where it ends, you mm. it's it's not a spoiler to say where it ends here. Yeah. There's uh something that happens after this. And then there's a time jump. Okay. So they may well do that with part two. They may, may well be two years later. They might not. Okay. They might not. They might save that for part three. Yeah. They might save that. They might not do that. They might just sort of crack on. Yeah, I don't know what he's like. I've, I've read things where he's saying he's planned, he's thought of it as being three films. But mm. what I don't know what he means is because obviously with the books, it's not just one book. No, so this is four or five. I think there's five in total that were written by Frank Herbert, and then on top of that, there's been lots of other like supplementary prequels. So and his sequels son, and yeah, his son yeah. has done them. But the main line Dune books are like it's Dune, and then I think the sequel is called Dune Messiah, and then there's Children yeah. of Dune. I don't know. So in terms of where we're at now, are we still in the plot of the first book? Yes, very much. So. <laughs> okay, shit. Okay, we're like so, halfway through. Jesus Christ. Right. So, okay. So we're not even like, I thought, all oh, right, well, that's the end. And then Doom Messiah picks up. No, 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 no. We're not, no. we're not even, we haven't even made it through the first book yet. No, you're not even in the first book. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just, it's epic. Um, and I've also heard that there was talk at one point of there about there being a, a TV show for HBO Max. It's gonna, yeah, but the TV show was going to be about the Benny Jezreel, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. The Sisterhood of June, they're calling it, which is that the same thing? Mm, well, I mean, or yeah, not. but at the same time, like, uh no i don't mm. <laughs> it's so complicated everything has five different names <laughs> so yeah the sisterhood of june could be one thing it could be something that's in the books but it could also be the benny jesserit yeah but then the benny jesserit are what they are they're like then they're, they're not even really religion they're yeah. uh i don't know they're kind of like because they don't really deify anything other than uh who well the Kwisatz Haderach so which is like this um supposed to be the person that can bridge 
uh, time and space. Okay, right. All right. <laughs> yeah, but is that the same as the one? And is that the same as the, whatever they call it on Arrakis? Like the, the yeah. So Arrakis, Arrakis thinks of him as a, in, in a different way. They think of him as the Messiah from off the world. So someone that's going to come. Yeah, but that from that another planet to planted, save him. But that idea was planted by the yeah um, by the Benny Gesserit. Benny Gesserit the whole time. So they've they've like they've sowed the seeds so that when he turns up and it's like, and it's not only him, it's him and his mother, like, and, and it's everything. It's like, he'll come to your planet and there'll be, there'll be a boy and his mother and he'll know your ways as if they were his own and all this stuff. And so it means that when he turns up, he's already been set up to be their Messiah by that. Like, I, that's a great idea, by the way. I, that's like, I've never seen that's unique and like, yeah, very cool. Yeah. So it is part of their religion. They think that, um, that they think, that this is pre-Paul. So um, that, you know, the Kwisatz Haderach is the, the male offspring of a Bene Gesserit who can have all the abilities of the, um, oh, what the fuck is it called? So the Kwisatz Haderach is, can be, yeah, it's very, very complicated. But basically like Paul has been groomed his whole life to be this great warrior and leader. So he's been trained by two of the greatest like war masters in history, like Gurney Halleck, and then the, the one of the greatest warriors ever known, Duncan Idaho, uh, who he considers like a brother and a friend. And Gurney Halleck is like an uncle and like they they are as close as family. And the way that they treat one another is like they're um is extraordinarily respectful like uh, like Gurney always is like very respectful of Paul but at the same time won't hesitate to like smack him in the head yeah. if he needs to sort of be like no shut up you know you need to know this and they do that perfectly but then what they've done with this is that they've they've said be here see this be around here you'll need to know this you're going to you're going to want to see something that's happening here because you know lady jessica is a Benny Gesserit and Paul is the son of Lady Jessica, who is a Benny Gesserit, and he is coming from off world and he is doing this. So it's it's the it's the propaganda, the propagandizing of their arrival yeah. to help sow their own seeds because they have their own agenda. The, the, the Benny Gesserit aren't really constrained by um uh like the Empire. No, that's what I mean. They're like, yeah, exactly. They're another faction, but there are so many factions. Yeah, because it's then, and, and it's not like the it's not like the church. Yeah, with the king, yeah. it's it's slightly different to that because it's it's much much broader sort of thing that they're looking for. So, yeah, but yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> the supporting cast is fucking brilliant. You've got yeah, fucking Charlotte it's, it's Rambling all, as the Reverend yeah. Mother, which is perfect. You yeah. know, like, well, obviously it's going to be her. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that that really sells this is that. Because there is so much, and particularly those early scenes where there is just is lots of exposition. Yeah, um, I think what really sells it and what uh, what really elevates it is the cast. Because a lot of the time, a lot of that, yeah, a lot of the dialogue is very exposition heavy. It's not emotionally driven. Um, mm. So that emotion you have to get out of the actors, and that's why like, literally every single person on, in this cast is a shit hot actor who could be the lead in any movie. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like obviously in the center of it all, you got Timothy Chalamet. 
um, who's brilliant. He's great, and he just, and he yeah, he's got all the, that conviction, and he yeah, he, he's fantastic. Uh, I haven't really seen him in a lot. I, obviously, I know he's a big deal, and he's a bit of an indie darling, and this will be his sort of a big um, tentpole movie for him at the front, the front and center of it. Um, yeah, and he's obviously going to start becoming more mainstream with like things like this, and then he's doing the Willy Wonka movies coming out. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's definitely he's on the rise. Uh, but he's brilliant. Um, I love um, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, Oscar Isaac is brilliant, um, and they they are perfectly cast as father and son as well. You look at them and you go, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And they just they play off each other. They have that relationship um, where yeah, you get those moments where, and again, it's because those moments are so few and far between. But because the actors are so good they're able to bring it and elevate it and they're able to have right you get from a right we've only got you know three minutes to establish this relationship between father and son and we've only got yeah. this many lines to do it but because we're both fucking great actors we can get that across <laughs> in just yeah. our in our facial expressions in our emotions in our line delivery in the way we just everything about it we can get we can nail that on so that you it's understood and we can then move on and the same with like you know rebecca ferguson and her fear of her religion and all that that comes across in just her performance it's just it's the way mm. she, yeah it's brilliant it's so good she's fucking brilliant in this she's fantastic yeah um, and i'm i'm glad that she got more like, i was expecting it again partly because of like the time it's written in and stuff that she would kind of be like the lady of the court and she wouldn't have that much to do but i'm glad mm. that she's actually you know really active in the story and has a lot of screen time um, yeah she's it's she's the co-protagonist for a lot of like the first book so paul is predominantly at the the point of view character but um she's obviously with him throughout so much of it and yeah. after um everything that goes on because i almost dropped a massive spoiler there um after everything that happens like it's such a powerful sort of connection and the bond and developing and understanding their relationship is really 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 great and it's yeah. just so amazing to see yeah and that's why again like they're great in that like they elevate those scenes i just feel like they should have had maybe one or two more with those two towards the back end i think of the of the film um mm. would have sort of strengthened it a bit i think um and other things like i mean there's some interesting stuff that you come from like again it has suffered this movie a little bit from being delayed and having seen the trailer so many times and things like that um mm. so like I, I remember seeing the, the shot in the trailer um where it's like a a load of armored people in the desert up against another load of armored people in the desert yeah it's like charging at each other and then you get the big reveal at the end of that and they show it in the trailer where the the visor comes up and it's paul and you see he's got the um the arrakis eyes the blue eyes um yeah spice eyes yeah so that like my again watching movies and stuff everything in my body tells me that that is where this is headed like that, that's the big climax of this movie is that paul's gonna you know rally all the local people um, yeah and they're all gonna they're gonna take the fight back Fremen. to them yeah the freeman and then they're gonna take the fight back to them and like so that i'm assuming that's the end game that's where we're headed for but it's not really so it's like no. again i can see why that would wind people up being like you, you think it's gonna go in a certain way it's good that it doesn't do that because it's different but yeah it does mean that like you can feel a little bit um yeah deflated. yeah and i hope it 
I hope people see this and realize that when they go and watch it, they go, actually, this is a much bigger thing than this fight. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And you get, you get the sense of it. Like there are little, there are moments when he starts talking about again, and there is a little bit, um, there are some leaps in terms of his character that didn't quite feel quite right for me. Um, like the moment when like, yeah, they start planning about what their next moves are sort of thing. And he talks about, you know, making a play for the throne essentially. Mm. Um, but then that comes and it was like earlier in the movie, he had this whole thing. So well, well, what if I'm not meant to lead? What if I'm not the future of house of trade? Like he doesn't want this want leadership. And then yeah. not long after he's talking about being the leader of leaders, like <laughs> that, that seemed like a bit of yeah. a jump for him as a character that I think didn't quite make sense. Um, but I get that he's trying to sort of emulate his dad and put, you know, politicize and figure out what the next the next best thing to do is. Yeah, and it's it's tough because there's a lot of uh, it's really difficult because there is there are these sort of jumps, but it's that's. So it's easier to describe it in the book and it's it's yeah. paul taking these leaps and being like you know paul realizes at this point that he has to step up say this do this do this and that's the sort of the way that those sort of things get explained is that paul has to has to do this and but does it using the knowledge for, that he's gained from his father or taking the lessons from the benny jesserit or you know gurney halleck has told him that he's going to have to do this as as a leader of this generation, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, on top, on top of that, you, and because they do try and communicate that in places where he has, you know, flashbacks or you hear him, you know, lines repeated in, in his head. So it's like it, you are getting, they're attempting to do that in a monologue that obviously yeah. you get in a book that you can't really replicate in a movie. Um, but then added to that in terms of like complicating it is the idea that Paul can see things before they happen. So sometimes yeah. he gets messages and he gets like ideas or like figures out what to do based on information that he hasn't learned yet, but he knows it in the future because he can. <laughs> but also, yeah, but that, and then that's, that's what spice does. Yeah. So the, um, uh, the spaces guild who is like the one is like this monopolist organization that, um, are the only reason that sort of interstellar travel is is possible is because of this guild no one no one's seen them they just know that they have to they have to have spice to be able to do this because it allows them to see sort of to have like these visions to see the future and to see what is yet to come but also yeah, you've got it... to remember that there are there are a couple of points where he's seeing stuff that hasn't that didn't come to pass yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to get my head around that because there there are things where he's getting having conversations with characters that he can't possibly be having those conversations with anymore. Um, yeah, but also like the the Quizach Haderach is is the person that sees all possible outcomes. The, the what's what's happened before and what is yet to come. Right. So it's this is it's that's what I mean. Is like this messianic figure who's like aware of all of this stuff and knows but hasn't seen it but has it it's like an instinct mm. and like an understanding and like the capabilities to it uh, uh, sort of come at a curse and you know whilst he has been trained his whole life you know a lot of the stuff that he does do 
is because he has been trained. Yeah. So, you know, like he's not, he's not a great fighter because he was born that way. He's a great fighter because he was trained by two of the greatest fighters in the galaxy uh, uh, or the universe. And the reason that they, he's trained by the two of the greatest fighters in the universe is because he's from one of the strongest families. So they have the capability to generationally bring up those warriors and train them the right way and train them to be the best and understand that, you know, the best are always going to rise up. And so that sort of stuff. So that's like, it's, yeah, it's often like... people sort of throw a lot of shade at um, uh, June has been like oh it's, it's just another chosen one who's the chosen one oh don't don't tell him off he's the chosen one and he'll blow your brain up and shoot you with a sword or whatever but like a lot of it is you know like there's there are logical points to 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 so much of it that makes it that much better material rather than just just being born a certain way like it understands that the privilege that he's got from being born into this royal family means that all this high-born family uh means that he yeah he does fight better than certain people and he does know how to do this and you know he's he's not lucky that he was born through eugenics you know that's that's the the, the family the bloodline the, the the sort of the cult religious sort of fanatical following that his mum's part of you know of course he was meant to do that way yes she she wasn't supposed to have uh really supposed to have a child with Juglato, but she wanted to because she thought he might be the Kwisatz Haderach yeah exactly is that, is that so like these idea? things yeah. it's it's like the, 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 that's what I mean about this material it's so much more intelligent than a lot of like the the more common stuff and they do lean and they do sort of explain a lot of that uh as they go and yeah it's it's fucking brilliant yeah like i said i can already tell like, like yeah there's this idea that it's yeah and again they only allude to it here is this there's a grand design um and it's like and this is just the culmination of it like and, and this being pulled as a person is like right yeah you are this culmination of all these things and we've we've specifically targeted house atreides at this particular moment because that means you'll get all that military and that political leaning and all that which is essential for you becoming what we want you to become and then on top of yeah. that there's the the supernatural element of it in terms of what your mind is able to do and all that kind of stuff yeah um but it, you can't have one without the other by combining all those things you then become the chosen one and become but it's been by design over thousands of generations we've been thinking about this and trying to yeah you know move the chess pieces in the right way so that we get the right people in the right place and then we've got you and it's like okay this is cool and it's yeah like i say it's much more intelligent than just you're the chosen one because yeah the chosen one has been obviously done to death in a lot of other media but i think this is obviously an original version of that um but i feel like already that they're, they're going about it in a much more intelligent way than just well you're the chosen one because your dad was hard and yeah exactly it. it's not it's not luke skywalker yeah exactly just, like he's not you got are because, more because you're midichlorians in his yeah, blood exactly. exactly because you're vader's son that's why you're the one to save us all oh, yeah okay you were the <laughs> prophecy you're the prophecy and we thought your dad was a prophecy but your dad wasn't the prophecy now you're the prophecy and that then you know obviously you and i are huge star wars fans but george lucas himself has added that like a lot of what he wrote has come from other things and like being inspired by 
you know, the seven samurai and by world war two dogfighting and that, that's the stuff. So like having those influences on your sleeve is great and you can have like independent material that works just as well, mm. but it's, it's, it's really important to recognize and just go June fucking killed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I say, and it's just, it's from a filmmaking standpoint, it looks incredible. I mean, I will say that there's a lot of like dark imagery uh, a lot of the time, um, like a lot of scenes happen at night and stuff like that, but it's yeah. shot so well that it kind of doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and just, and allowing those actors to come in and just do their thing. Like, you know, you get moments where it's like, Oh, well, we've got to have someone who's in charge of the, um, the free, the Freeman. Who's that going to be? Oh, oh cool. Javier Bardem. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> Oscar Freeman. winning, Oscar winning Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah. And you're um, just like, okay, like, because we want amazing actors, we're going to get all of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, it, and his delivery in this is fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. oh, um, he's so good. Yeah. I always forget how good he is. Yeah. Um, also, one of my favorite things, even in the book, was the point when he spits on the desk. Oh, yeah, that's great. But like, I love that whole, like, again, it sort of shows you. And one of the things that I think they nail in this, in the movie as well, is the, the whole idea of the, the the different cultures. Yeah. And at the right, different cultures. And this is how, this is what's sacred to them, what's not sacred to them. And they're already setting that up by, like, you know, before he even enters the room, they're like, well, we're trying to take his knife off him. And then Duncan is like, no, no, no. You can't take his knife off him. Knives are very are like ceremonial. They need that. It's it's yeah. sacred to them, right? Okay. And then he walks in the room, spits on the desk, and everyone like kicks off and is about, oh, <laughs> thank you. And then they go because it's the gift of your moisture. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, that makes sense. The idea that yeah. you would you would, the moisture is so precious that for you to spit at somebody and give over some of your own moisture is a is a sign of respect. I'm like, right, that's not just a like. There's a there's a like a, a joke in that in that is like someone like you know giving you the middle finger is like oh no that actually means hello in whatever <laughs> like yeah that's just a joke but this one like there's logic to it there's a there's like right yeah of course spitting means you're giving up your body's moisture which is like the thing that's literally keeping you alive and it is very very precious so to give up some of it is a massive sign of respect of course it is yeah that makes sense like it's so well thought out um, and I love just like, yeah, clearly a lot of that comes from the books, but I think they really put that into like, I love the, the, the sort of the design, the, the, all the design of like the suits and the, uh, the technology and the, like the ships. I love those dragonfly ships. Ah, uh, thopters, they're cool. The thopters, they're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, fucking they're like, brilliant. Yeah, sci-fi helicopters that just literally have like, they look like dragonflies and have wings that like that flutter. And yeah, it's just really cool. And and like yeah. the fact that we're still now, you know, we're you think you've seen everything you could possibly see in terms of sci-fi and spaceships and stuff, and yet they're doing something that still feels different and unique and of this world. Um, it's great. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. And that's again, like, there's so much that's in it. Like, we haven't even gotten to like the sandworms or anything sandworms, like that yet. Yeah. But like, the sandworms are like iconic in sort of sci-fi law really they pop up in so many other things but it's um you know something 400 500 huge yeah four or five hundred something long that, things. and didn't even has always been great at scale like, yeah even in things like um like arrival which is a much more like complex uh, you know it's much more like in a 
I don't know what the word, I can't think of the word. Introspective. Introspective, that's the word, thank you. It's a much more introspective sci-fi movie, but there are these the big monoliths that turn up and you get yeah. the sense of scale of them. And I just, when, so I really went, went back and rewatched that this week. And then of course you get the big sweeping shots in Blade Runner 2049. And you go, yeah. right, well, when this guy comes to do the sandworms, I think he's going to nail it. And he, he does, like in terms of just yeah. getting, understanding the scale of it, the idea that this, how big this thing is, that the entire ground beneath you shifts and it's like now you're just underneath it now all you are all that's underneath you is its mouth yeah <laughs> like yeah that's how big it is it's like yeah it's great and the idea you know the again that, that's why i feel like that scene is so pivotal where they first encounter one of you see it in the distance i think it's it's um the um oscar isaac sees it and it's like just a little plume of smoke and then it gets closer and closer and you see, you start realizing the scale of it. Um, yeah. And they have, you know, they literally have aircraft in the sky whose sole job it is, is to look out for these things. And like, yeah. it, re it really builds it. And it's like, right, now we're putting into practice all this stuff that we've been talking about. Here it is. And it's like, right, cool. I get it. I mean. Yeah. And it's like, it's, so, it's, it's the smallest things. The details that Denis has sort of added to all of this is the attention to detail and realizing where to sort of trim the fat almost. Yeah. Because, um, um, so David Dasmalchen's character yeah. uh, is instrumental in the book. Yeah. He's not Littlefinger, is he? He's more than little finger like he's <laughs> like little finger is the little finger of the fist that is Peter de Vries. <laughs> like uh he's fucking brilliant and he's like the mastermind of all of these things and so oh i haven't i haven't well okay so right we haven't even spoken about um uh right i'll get to that next so yeah he's <laughs> he's the like the mastermind of like the harkonnen plan yeah and like so he's behind all of that. Whereas what they've done here is they've just made it the Harkonnen's plan, not Peter de Vries's Harkonnen plan. No, but I think a little bit and another sort of I know they're they're saving it is that the idea is they that a lot of the Harkonnen stuff feels like it's being puppeteered by the Emperor. Yeah. So the Emperor will strengthen your hand. Spoilers. Um yeah, well, it's spoilers sort of, yeah. I think well, I think <laughs> um well, that's yeah. the thing. It's not really because the emperor is like in control of everything. The emperor's, yeah, emperor's a, the, emperor the reason send... that the Latos have gone to a um, or the Atreides family have gone to Arrakis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's all just everything's being done at the behest of the even like in the opening monologue um, that you get from Zendaya, like they they leave the planet at, uh, by imperial decree. Mm. Um, the Harkonnens do. Sorry, they just they just get up and leave. And you're like, yeah. So like, and it is odd again from a sort of filmic standpoint that there's this major player that is making these decisions and and decreeing all these things that are going to have this massive impact on everybody, and we never see him or meet him. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting that they've chosen to do that. I'm assuming that that will be something that gets explored later on. Um. But yeah, it's it's an interesting choice to to leave yeah. it as this, you know. Yeah, but again, that that again, that comes back to kind of Star Wars, isn't it? Like they talk about the Emperor and like, well, the Empire will do things. <clears throat> How will the Emperor maintain control? But you don't, you don't see him. You don't it's see not, him until Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. 
and that's a, yeah again that was one thing that i pointed out to i said to my friend is um because he said you know there's a notable lack of like the politics and i'm like well there's like because the, like a lot of the politics is a lot more in depth in the books yeah and it's very very like house atreides say this and like baron harkonnen says this and you know the, the like the um oh, i can't remember na- the name of it now but like how uh duke leto yeah. is duke leto atreides and harkonnen is baron harkonnen yeah, well, yeah, I never got so like them. a barony versus like a dukehood and like the, the differences that exist within that rather than and like the fiefdoms is that they sort of and he's like uh Jigleto says, you know, this I, I've been granted this as my fief. I'm here to control and protect. And it sort of establishes all of that in there. But I think, yeah, we are gonna see sort of the wider controls from the empire as it as we go on a little bit more yeah okay. especially especially with i presume with what's going to happen with part two um yeah because there's a lot there's a lot coming and it's dark as fuck okay uh but it's um it's just brilliant uh so to talk about another notable lack of stuff we were saying about the guns mm. so if you notice you don't see computers no. no so and that's because like uh like a thousand years before there was like an ai uprising so yeah. humans developed ai and then the ai was like no i'm not going to deal with this stuff anymore yeah uh so they developed what are called mentats mm. so mentats are so um oh, what's his name Thurin. I think his name's the third. No, Thufir. Thufir. is the guy that is stood with uh Jiglato and he's like, Oh, I wonder how much this costs. And then his eyes roll back in his head and he's like, This much. Yeah. He's a mentat. Python de Freeze is a mentat. Like the people with like the mark on their bottom lip. Right, okay. Are mentats. So there is like there's a lot of stuff they miss out and they don't go into, but I don't think it's necessary because you don't lose anything. There's no sort of like they they've got a strong enough visual language within this, and especially like Denis's uh, style is as it allows like a really strong visual narrative. Yeah. So you don't really have to rely on the fact that they go into this like great long exposition about why nobody trusts AIs anymore, and that mentats were brought uh, like developed or I can't remember the term they use, but the reason that they sort of have mentats is because of this because they're like walking computers and like endless calculations at once and they know how to do this and they know how to do that and they're self-aware but at the same time they can't transmit they're not like an all controlling uh computer that could turn on humanity they're they're an individual that can be um... that can be put down see that's interesting again because there are parallels there with um foundation and asimov because the idea yeah. like Asimov then tried to make all his stuff because obviously he like famously wrote like the Asimov's three rules of uh, robotics, robotics and, uh, yeah. in um, iRobot and things like that. But he then tried to make Foundation and all his bigger works like all tie in together. Yeah. Um. And so, but what he tried to like in Foundation, there is one character in the 
TV show anyway, who is like the last remaining android. And that is a, a very similar thing. Like they rose up and they said they weren't going to do it anymore. And then, they, you know, AI was banned. And so now it's yeah. all just humans with modifications and they are their spaces in that who allow them to do fast and light travel. But they are augmented people as opposed to artificial people. But there's, yeah. there's one outstanding person who is artificial. Um, oh, okay but yeah but again for it so you can again see some of those the, some of those world building blocks are sort of in parallel with one another you can see yeah them obviously influencing each other yeah because foundation came out like 20 years before uh, i don't know if it was 20 you, years i think it was there was it was like the 40s i think the 40s yeah i think so i don't know um let me have a look because uh, I, I think it was quite a bit before. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know what else there was set apart in terms of maybe we should get into spoilers and start talking about some of the stuff in terms of where we're left at the end of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. Because, yeah, obviously I'm just saying go and fucking see. Yeah, 1942. Okay. There's a cycle then, of five interrelated short stories, first published as a single book in 1951. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. And will continue to be published up until 1993. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Go and see the fucking film. It's amazing. Yeah, go see it. Um, if you, yeah, go see it at the cinema as well. I, I'm almost, because the thing, the, the annoying thing at the moment in terms of movies is that, IMAX is just getting there's too much stuff coming out in too short a period of time so I'm missing the opportunity to see these yeah. in IMAX like my, I, my dad got to go and see No Time to Die in IMAX and I'm very jealous of that um, yeah. <laughs> and then now like we've got literally like a few days now to see this if you want to see it in IMAX before all the IMAX screens get taken over by Eternals yeah and it's just like shit <laughs> I want to see as much of this as I can because I know there's going to be yeah or yeah but it's it's cinematically it's a massive experience like the sound design and the the score oh from Han, Hans Zimmer um, yeah. and just everything about it it deserves to be seen at the cinema um, so yeah go do it um, but no doubt it's going to be one that gets revisited a lot I think the biggest yeah. thing now is the weight between this and part two is going to be excruciating it's <laughs> I feel like I wish again talking about Lord of the Rings it, that's the biggest thing I could compare it to in terms of it feels like an incomplete story at the moment yeah. And it's frustrating. I wish they had just put the money with the mouth and go, you know what? Fuck it. We're we're making three back to back and just go yeah. because then we could have like especially with the delay because of COVID now, we would have been in a situation where this would have come out now, November, and then they go, Oh yeah, June <laughs> not June, probably not June. Dune Dune in Dune in June would be too complicated. So let, let, let's say July. <laughs> so July twenty twenty two, there's part two is out because it's already locked and ready to go. Yeah. Um, and that would make it a lot easier. But now they've got to, like they're gonna have to get all the cast back. They're gonna have to get like it's gonna take it's gonna take forever for the next part to come out. Do you know what I mean? Say that though. They've got to go know, film if, it, and they've got to go. <sighs> you know, like I'm saying, there's a two year time jump. Yeah, fine. Whatever. So I'd, make I'd, it like give it a little bit more. And obviously, like... not not all the cast is coming back. Spoilers, but <laughs> <laughs> no, like. There'll be a few. Yeah. It's a couple, couple of uh, absentees. Yeah. But yeah, 
go just go and see it like yeah. if you're if you like if you're interested in cinema if you've seen any of sort of Denis Villeneuve's stuff in the past and you like that if you like Blade Runner 249 if you like hard mm. sci-fi if you like Game of Thrones like, yeah I think this is definitely like because there's been lots of now everyone trying to come up with a new Game of Thrones and I think so far this is probably the closest actually um, yeah. interestingly because obviously we've had a lot of other ones where they've been more fantasy led you know things like The Witcher um, and there's more coming out this year like the wheel of time is about to drop on amazon and all the rest of it Crikey, my, yeah forgot about that for my money but so far in terms of you want a new game of thrones this is it um the only thing i'd say is that it's lacking the detail that you get in game of thrones because you don't obviously it's not this what you know the story that's told in this yeah. movie you could have told over a 10 episode season one yeah. um and you would have then had episodes where you get like David Dasmalchen's character gets a lot more development or you get an episode where you get you know a solid 30 minutes of Rebecca Ferguson and her religion and all that kind of stuff um but instead we got this two and a half hour movie which is epic and cinematic and needs to be and, and like it's probably the better way to have done it because otherwise we wouldn't have got the same scale that we got um and I think once this series is completed it could be it could get up there in terms of some of the best ever done um, if they continue on this trajectory. So, yeah, exciting. Yeah, no, I agree. I already think this is one of the best sci-fi films I've ever seen. Wow. Wow. It's big words. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, And that's the thing. Like, I'm a, like old school Blade Runner yeah. fan. Like 2049, again, was another one of my sort of like favourite films of the last few years. From what it does, it's like proper grown-up sci-fi. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing in it that's like, I don't know, doesn't feel like it's pandering to anyone or it's overly juvenile in places or it's sort of condescending. It's like, this is what this world is. And it's, it's sort of un, unashamedly hard sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but also political intrigue and family drama and so much more to it. It's wartime fiction and, Everything, yeah, it's, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. So that's all spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Everybody's dead. So, well, yeah, lots of lots of death. Um, yes, yeah, so we got some some brutal death scenes in this one. Um, and some of you, yeah, like. It's interesting you were saying there about how you know serious it is, and I think one of the one of the better things, uh, one of the things that sort of alleviates that is, um, Duncan, Duncan, yeah, Duncan Idaho, um, <laughs> and he's he's very much the Han Solo type where everyone else is like super dead serious, and he just he still takes his job seriously and he's very good at his job, but when he needs to, he adds an element of levity, yeah, to the whole thing. Um, and it's needed, I think, in a lot of places. And I think now that because obviously Duncan goes out, he goes out like a badass, and he like kicks a load of ass, and he's great. Um, but it, I feel like we do need a new one of him sooner rather than later, hopefully. Um, in terms of everyone in who we're left with at the end of this movie, yeah. Um, hopefully so Zendaya will give a little bit of that, I think, because she's um, well, she's Zendaya. And she... <laughs> there are other characters that come along that do other things, but um, yeah you know duncan idaho is like a hero of the war and yeah. again it, you know when they talk about like the sardaukar are like bread yeah 
they're like genetically engineered super soldiers. Yeah, and again, like that's and they where we sort we of explain the, that. Well, no, not really. Like they, they just they show them, and then I think there's there's one shot where they're all laid out like upside down, like with their arms splayed out, and like there's some weird shit going. On. I just I hate to say it, but the first thing it made me think of was Rick and Morty, where, where, yeah. where he has all the Mortys like lined up and it's just like poking them in the ribs or whatever. It's yeah. Constantly in pain. That's the first thing my mind went to, which probably isn't what they were after. <laughs> no, but it all comes like Rick and Morty gets that from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, sure. You um, know, and like, but, but it's. Yeah, again, it's like they show in that imagery, but they don't explain like, oh yeah, they're genetically engineered to be like the warrior races and all the rest of it. But you get the impression just. Again, it's so well done in terms of like just the way they enter battle, those guys. Yeah. They just they descend down. At, it looks like they're on wires, but you can't see the wire. Yeah. And it's like this weird side, and they're just silent and deadly. And they just they drop in behind the Atreides um, forces and just take them all out. And they're just they're fucking brutal. And like now already, like, and they're dressed in white armor, very reminiscent of the stormtroopers. Yeah. And now, immediately now, I've got, when I see them any time going forward in this series, I know, oh shit, shit's about to go down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've established them just by showing them in action a couple of times in this. Um, and not only that, like, that you then see how much of a badass Duncan is because he's able to take out, like, five or six of them before he goes down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's, that, it's like, he, when he says... um Someone asked him, didn't they? How do you know that? When, like, when you cross blades with one of those guys, you know it. With a Sardaukar, yeah, you Sardaukar, know. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're like the Emperor's elite force. And um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything like comparable because they're like the best of the best. Well, they're kind of like, again, thinking in terms of Star Wars, which is obviously the, the go to uh, reference when it comes to sci fi stuff, I think of them as kind of like, you know, like the um, Praetorian Guards or the, the Red Armored. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like them. But like, imagine if there was like battalions of them, like yeah, like, like not not just like a handful of them gathered around the emperor as his personal guard. Imagine there was a whole fucking army full of them, and you pull yeah. them out when you need when exactly shit needs to get done. He's like, oh shit, um, yeah, now it's fucking wicked. Um, and then yeah, I think the other thing that we can talk about now post is like it's Paul's flash forwards, if you like, mm. and he sees things that haven't happened yet. So am I right in thinking? that the guy that so at the very end of the movie the big sort of the climax is that this sort of trial by combat between him and one of the um oh yeah um um jake jagger yeah so am i right in thinking is that the same guy who so when they were when they're in the um and they're and they're um spinning around and he and he gets that vision flashing forward of someone teaching him to like get to like let like let it happen stop trying to fight it sort of thing and there's this guy, and it's and is that the same guy who he then kills at the end? Yeah. Right. Okay. So that that's what I mean by like right. So that's a conversation that doesn't happen and ha- can't happen. Doesn't happen with Paul. Ah. Uh, okay. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Okay. So not only is he flashing, so he's not flashing forward necessarily. Then he's flashing into someone else's mind. Yeah. Seeing. So he, he's seeing. He what, sees the future. He's seeing what's what's okay. to come yeah and what has happened but you've seen what's happened so like that conversation is potentially a conversation between that guy and like zendaya and he's just seeing it possibly yeah eyes. yeah and like the um like the connection that he's got with charney before he's even met her and Sorry, charney just... is 
Zendaya's character, is right? Zendaya's character is right. Charney, yeah. Right. And that connection that they have, that he keeps seeing her and keeps, like, um, like almost reaching out to her yeah, or I, she's I reaching see... out to him or, like, fate is pulling them together and yeah. kind of, like, trying to work out what's what. With I, can see, I can see that winding people up because there were times in it where I was getting over it because just constantly like, he keeps having dreams of Zendaya in fucking slow motion. Like, can you just get yeah. to Zendaya, please? Can you just go and find <laughs> Zendaya in the desert? Just fucking get to the... And it's not until the very end she actually turns up, has like two yeah. lines, and then the movie's over. It's it's like, like, I think it's... I saw something, like a headline that's like, oh, here's why Zendaya's only got eight minutes of screen time. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, they they but not only that. It's like we've seen her so much in that like there's a girl on 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 Arrakis that I keep having dreams about. It's been like what in all the trailers and they keep showing her and showing and like so it's been like this big thing that's been building up. And then as you're watching the movie, it's like there's this girl on Arrakis. I keep having dreams about her. And he has a dream about her becoming his like his consort or whatever. And then everyone bowing down toward them. And oh, this is the epic. and then you finally get there and then it ends. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you motherfuckers. <I> can... <laughs> um, but yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I I totally get what they're going for, but I just the the balls on it in terms of the way it ends is crazy. Oh yeah, um, because it just literally you have this big you know the story of the movie is you know the story of the betrayal of this house and the fall of House Atreides essentially. Um, yeah, but even that like they they just all they've shown us so far is. The attack and the decimation of House Atreides on Arrakis, like on their home planet, we don't know what's going on. Yet. Exactly. Yet, so that's what's interesting. Like, there's a whole <laughs> planet full of these guys. They didn't take the, they didn't move the entire planet over to Arrakis. They just took no. a couple of battalions or whatever. So they've still got power, and that's why they like, see exactly. They still the back, have towards, power towards the back end of it as well. It's like um, his mother keeps saying, "We got to get him off Arrakis. We got to get him back to, um, you know, the home planet." Aramis, I can't remember. I don't know. There was again. That's another thing in that first forty minutes where there's a lot of title cards coming up. Right, this is Wheelbarrow, the home of the Arrakis family. Yes, yeah. this, this is Wheelbarrow Two, the home of or, or Gen Z One or whatever it's called, the home of the Harkonnen family. But that's not the same. That's not where the Emperor is. No, that, and that's not Arrakis. No, that they left Arrakis. It's not where they're from. It's, right. Um. So, <laughs> yeah, there is yeah. a lot. There, there is a lot to take on because that's one of the main things that I wanted to sort of talk to you about was mm. how how were you with all of that? I, I got it. I think I got it, but then I think it's because you know I we are sci-fi nerds and we're used to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but I can see it being confusing to people. Like I remember there was a criticism that was leveled quite a lot. At, um, Rogue One. I remember the, the opening like 20 minutes of Rogue One jump all over the place in terms of different right. planets. They jump time, yeah. they jump all that. And it's a little, it felt a little bit like that, but like not as bad as that. I think it's much more, um, it, it's much slower and, and it eases you into it a lot more. And they need that because Rogue One is, you can't really compare it because Rogue One is like the seventh or eighth film in a series. So there's a certain amount of yeah. pre-knowledge that people have. Um, but I don't think they do that with this. They, they hold your hand enough so that, like I say, by the time we do get to that, I just feel like they could, they should have had, there should have been a, an inciting incident or something big happen earlier on, just in the first sort of twenty minutes, something big, some big sort of. Yeah, big it doesn't. 
you know I mean? Something like, even if it's, I don't know, um, I, I don't know what it could have been given the way the story goes, but just something like, like, um, yeah, you like you see in the opening montage where it's like the uh, Zendaya's guys attacking the Harkonnen and then then leaving. Like you could have shown that maybe. Or, yeah. But then I suppose then you don't then meet up with her until later on. If you're trying to focus it on Paul, I don't know. It, yeah, it's hard. But I just feel like yeah, there is. That's my one crit- major criticism of it. It's just from a pacing point of view, it's like yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's a it's hard a, start. It's a, it's a hard start. Then you get a big crescendo in the middle, and then it sort of just coast it doesn't coast along but it just it gets long to the end and the ending is a little bit anticlimactic much as it is like from a character point of view it's intense and it's yeah. this trial by combat between Paul and this guy like given some of the, the scale and the scope of the fucking massive battle that we saw earlier on it does feel like because just again that's because movies have programmed you to think that that's how they're all supposed to end yeah like, <laughs> like and all that's the, all sci-fi movies should end in a giant battle shouldn't they so that that's just what you go in <laughs> thinking that's going to happen. So again, yeah. when I see all those those armored guys running at each other in the desert, I assume that's the third act, but it's not. <laughs> so no, like, but it, so I think it's just a case of it's those expectations that you've got to try and get your head around. It's like this isn't that. No, there probably, will be, there probably will be more of that in the second one and the third one, but that's not what this one is. Um, and that's again what I think one of the reasons that I like this so much is it's so much closer to how books are structured. Yeah, I feel like, but then again, I keep comparing it to Lord of the Rings because if you think about it in that in terms of that trilogy, like the, the fight that happens at the end of Fellowship of the Ring is mm. nothing. It's a skirmish in comparison to Helm's Deep and Pelennor Fields. But for, it felt climactic in a way that I feel like this one didn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it felt, even though it was just, like when you compare it in the overall series, it's nothing. It's just a couple of blokes in the woods having a scrap. <laughs> but yeah but like in comparison to this i just feel like i don't know there could have been something where they could have just i don't know um given it maybe added in something to do with a sandworm to give it an extra sense of peril or an extra sort of um i mean that stuff is coming i know i know it is I, I i have no doubt that all that's in there it just i feel like from a from the purposes of creating a satisfying film in and of itself you could yeah. have potentially just scaled up that last battle a little bit more um they could have said you know something along the lines of whoever loses gets fed to a sandworm or something <laughs> <Do you laughs> <know what I mean? laughs> yeah or, or so, yeah something like that i don't know it's stupid because that's obviously that would be very against the um the book so i, I appreciate that they are following what they're meant to do um, yeah but speaking of actually now we're in spoiler book kind of like in the slight spoilery section the way that the book deals with what just happened is quite like the way that I always read it, it was always in like underground in one of like the caves, and but they deal with it in a different way. And then they're like, Nope, you come with us now. And you sort of go, Okay, I like this. Like, this is this is a bit different here. Like, they are doing slightly different things, mm. but not, um, not enough to make you go, Well, that's fucking silly, if you know yeah. what I mean. But in terms of, but, yeah, I mean, now we're talking about um, post-grand spoilers or whatever. Mm. Um, is there anything major that you feel like, yeah, other, other than obviously we talked about some of the detail lacking in terms of like David Desmouchin's character um, and the complete um, writing out, it seems at the moment, of that other um, nephew of the Barons. 
um, which it seems like, yeah, they've Faber got out there. They'll have to bring him in, won't they? Surely. Yeah. They can't not. So, yeah, because he's like the, this dark reflection of, mm. like I said, you know, I keep banging on about it, but for, for such a trope of what it is, uh, he is like this, the, the evil opposite of Paul sort of thing. Yeah, but that, that's been something that's been in literary things and, and movies for years. Do you know what I mean? That's like, you yeah. know, Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes and, and every, like everyone, yeah. everyone you could, your nemesis, everyone's got a nemesis. Uh, yeah same but bad and yeah. it's like uh, um there's like a lot more sort of like political intervention between him and beast and um the beasts oh, i forgot his first name now but it's basically the beast something Harkonnen, yeah. and uh like finding those differences between them and like leading into sort of the characters and the way that that's structured it's all this like political backstabbing and like frustrations of well, why isn't it me? And he's just mm. an animal. Like he's this, he's a monster. And so like when like some power is given over to him, people are like, why the fuck are you doing this? He's yeah, a fucking, feels, an, like you don't even want that. Him. Like it feels like a little bit like um, the hound and the mountain in Game of Thrones. Yeah. They're, they're brothers, but they've got that white. Yeah. Why you give him all this just because he's a beast and he's a good warrior. But apart from that, he's nothing. So why you yeah. do, like and there's that sort of sibling rivalry, um, but like yeah, it's interesting that they've chosen to omit him from this first film. I'm hoping that it sounds like it would be a good thing for him to be in the next one. Um, I, I how, think how they that they about... will open the next film with him. Okay, but who do you cast as the as the evil Tom opposite? Holland. Tom Holland. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> the evil opposite of Timothy Chalamet is Tom Holland, obviously. Yeah, he's English. <laughs> Uh, or uh, one of the guards. I don't know. If, I don't know if he. Yeah, if he's. Um, I don't know if he's. If he's meant to be like the evil opposite, or like you know the. If he's meant to be an antagonist, I don't know if Holland's got that. Like the Scars Guards would make Strip, sense. Like, I think. Yeah, yeah one of the Scars Guards, especially as Bill's Scars Guard. Uh, or no, um, Stellan's Scars Guard is playing the the Baron. That would be cool. Exactly. Um, to have like Bill or um, yeah, Bill's the youngest, isn't he? He's the he's yeah. wise. Um, I think having Bill would be amazing. That would be cool. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bill's. Or, um, yeah, I, I'm going to say it again, but it's only because I watched it, chapter two, yesterday. Um, the guy that plays Ben Hanscom in it, chapter two, like, shave him, make him all white, get rid of his eyebrows, Maybe. jack him up a little bit. Maybe. He's too, he's too. Um... He's too big, but that's the thing with Tillith Shaman is a little boy. <laughs> yeah, but like well, that's the, anyway, but like the guy that, yeah, the he boy. looks like a small guy. <laughs> the boy. The boy is um, only 5'10". <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if, uh, for reference, if anyone uh, is wondering about that, they should look up uh, how John Mulaney feels about Timothy Chalamet from a few years back on YouTube. <laughs> it's the first thing I always think about every time I see Timothy Chalamet now, which is bad. Um, but hopefully th this series will help me turn around that post. <laughs> so it's like, now my wife is in love with this turfy Chalamet son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fucking great. But uh, yeah, I don't know where we go from here. There's a lot to come. Though. There is a lot of darkness. There's a lot of um, really, really bleak stuff coming um but also some really really interesting stuff as well because they the um uh the way that um uh they even mentioned it slightly in this the way that 
um, it ends is actually pretty much said. It, uh, uh, there's a point in this where you go, if you've read the book, you go, yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, still don't know about the mouse thing. Like you pointed out, I, I, did, I don't know whether I just didn't, I must have missed that when I read the book. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I just saw like a, a brief, like I went past it, it was a meme or something where people say, oh, every time the mouse turns up in, and they're doing the Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen saying, yeah, oh, look. Just, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. It may have just completely washed over me. It might just be a fucking moron. I've completely mm. forgotten it. But um, yeah, I just don't know. Genuinely, like, don't know what the fuck's going what people are like getting excited about. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, um, spoilery, spoilery, spoilums. How did you feel when Leto died? Oh, ah. Uh... It was a tough one, wasn't it? It was a tough one, but yeah, yeah. No, he went out good. He went out good. He went out good. Um, and that's another one actually. Yeah, but that's another one where again, I feel like if you'd had more screen time, you could have built up that the Doctor, um, and the guy who betrayed them. That's another big thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's another that's another big, missing. It feels like the, yeah, and you you feel that in this one, I think more so than with Daz Malchin. With that one, you feel like he just very quickly exposits. Oh no, they took my wife, and then they said that if I didn't do this. But I feel like there should have been a scene prior to that where you saw him making that bargain or being threatened in that way. Uh, yeah. But then maybe that would have ruined the twist. But it's not really a twist. Like we kind of, it, it feels like yeah. There's a lot of it in terms of like the Atreides stuff where they talk about how they've been sabotaged and left with all this crappy equipment, and like you feel it coming. It's not. It doesn't like come out of nowhere. It's not necessarily a twist when the betrayal does happen. Um, mm. But the idea is that it's kind of like this. Um, Reigns of Castlemere or um, the 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 Red Wedding um, betrayal, um, but there's obviously an inside man that allowed that allows it to happen. But we he very quickly just explains why he's done it, um, and then yeah, and then but then also you know then follow it up when with the Duke he goes oh yeah what did I say I said I um I'll let you join your wife and I was like right wife well, oh yes I'll let you join her in death I'm like yeah that's all that. <laughs> you are free yeah. from life and it's like oh, okay <laughs> yeah i like that he didn't say it no but it's like but it, it's so it's that's very that's a trope now that one i feel like it's one of those ones that yeah it is very right it, even back then it would have been the same but yeah. like it's um one of those things stuck. where it's uh, i'm going to see them now <laughs> yeah all of it yeah um but yeah, he did like, yeah, it was, it was a good, he was a great character and he was very well played. And I like the fact that is that they're letting, um, you know, Oscar Isaac is still in that age bracket where he could be the action hero, but they're letting him be the, like the, the father and figure. Yeah. Um, and he suits that role very well. Like, you know, he's got the bit of the gray in his beard and you get the sense that he, although he is, he is elevated to that stage and he's a good like you can see him being a, like a political operator the way he tries he's, the whole point is like getting there and getting the the um i keep getting the name wrong was it the freeman or the uh fremen fremen um getting yeah. them on side and that's the whole his whole mission but then you see that being put into and the idea that he's a compassionate cares about the people more yeah but again you finally see that all get put into practice in that scene that i keep banging on about with, with the sand dude because then he swoops in and goes right damn the spice i don't give a shit about the spice get the men out of there and then you go yeah. oh, okay 
I now I, I I get who this guy is and what he's all about. And then that transfers down to Paul when you see what, well, that's, you know, he's obviously learned all that from his father. He's yeah. learned how to fight from Duncan and from um, uh, Josh Brolin's character. And he's learned yeah. all the mystical shit from his, from his mum. So he's like, yeah, he's like a, a quadruple threat. He's like, yeah. he's going to fuck you up. Yeah, exactly. And he's about to be trained by the Fremen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a yeah it was a tough one, and then it was like it's a shame that I thought he'd taken the Baron with him, but obviously not. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that's I was like, um, is that roughly how it goes in the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are there's like that's so there are more wrinkles in the book about how so there are more there's more to it than just the Doctor. Mm. And um, that's explained in the book quite quickly. Okay. But it's not explained in the film. And I don't know if they're going to do it. Um, but if they do, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Fair enough. So, because this why is so... Why If it's already happened, would they go back and explain it or was it not worth it? Yes. There's, so there's, there's more going on there than is just one guy being pressured. By okay. uh, like in terms of, yeah, in terms of making it into a film, though, in terms of just it's you know slim, you know, slimming down that story and making it tangible and easy to follow. Yeah, yeah there's maybe more. That, maybe that's what they've done, and maybe that you know going back to past events and unpicking them might not be the best. I don't know. Maybe they will do it if it's. I if think they will. Yeah, I think it is relevant to the whole thing. To okay. be honest, there's a, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye with just that. Yeah. Um, and how this is all like pulled together and the questions that are sort of the questions that are, are, are haven't been asked yet. Okay. If you know what I mean? So I, I am talking around it, but it's just because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah. So, and it's just, there's just a lot going on and it's, there's so much more to come, which is one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's just, I'm genuinely really, really excited to see the next one, but not enough. But I'm I'm not desperate, if you know what I mean. So I, I know so seeing this on its own is enough for me to go, this is a fucking amazing film. Mm. And to it for it to end here and still have that um the intrigue and the mystery and 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 the the uh the the ambiguity of what's happening next, that's still exciting for me like when we get like a year down the line when i've watched this half a dozen times and i'm like okay i need to see it now then then i'm going to be in that desperate stage but yeah that's what i like about this that we're in a stage where his dad's gone his best friend and mentors have gone um so many people well, around him have we gone don't, like, we don't see gurney no and i'm interested i don't want i don't want okay now i'm like because now I'm thinking to myself again, we're going to have this massive gap between this and the second one, and in that gap, I could read the book. I could just, you know, in amongst you all could. the, but should I? That's um, the question. Should I, like you're you're teasing all this amazing stuff that's going to happen later. Uh, Is it better think... for me to experience it in June part two with all this, like it, assuming that it's going to be the same team putting it together, which it will be? Um, Is it better for I me think... to, yeah? Yeah, like having seen this, I enjoyed this so much more 
because of that i didn't get sort of caught up at the start and yeah. like bogged down yeah so maybe i should then i was like it's because it was just like refreshing my memory and it's like me being in a position where i'm like okay i know what's happening here Mm. but i could i mean the the other way around that again i guess i suppose is rather than read because i don't know if the story if i'm watching it for the story Mm. and i don't want to spoil the story for myself and experience that then maybe i could go i could read like all the prelude books and stuff which give you all that information about the world no go just do the book yeah but that doesn't spoil what's going to happen then I mean, it, uh, yeah, it will, but... That's what I mean. I don't know, yeah. Like, it will obviously spoil what's going to happen, but it's it depends on how much you want to know. Mm, interesting. Like, interesting I got more from this film by having read the book. Yeah. Than... Yeah. Mm. Okay, interesting debate. We'll have to revisit that another time. Um, but anyway, I think yeah. We, is there anything else left to say about June in this first this first June June part the one? The one thing that slightly disappointed me mm. was Dave Bautista's performance. Yeah, he's just a bit shouty. Um, he's just a screaming rage machine. Everything he doesn't talk at any point. There's no he doesn't have a conversation with anyone at any point. You just go and start screaming at everybody. My biggest disappointment with, in terms of Dave Bautista is that him and Jason Momoa never had to have a fight. <laughs> Again, I yeah. thought that was going to happen. Like that was that was like it, the, the laws of movie making tell me that's what, what happens. <laughs> right? One of them's dressed in black. One of them's dressed in white. One of them's a good guy. One of them's a bad guy. At some point, they're going to fucking fight one another. But they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Oh, that's a shame because that would have been mm. one for the that could have been one for the ages in terms of like <laughs> on screen fights. Um, yeah. But never mind. I'm sure, like I say, I feel like, yeah, that, and that's why I feel we need to get that that um, other character because of, in terms of, like, from a physical standpoint. Gurney. Like, no, um, the, the Sting's character, the evil... Oh, Fade yeah. Ratha. Yeah, we need to get that in there because I think in terms of, like, a nemesis for Paul to fight at the moment, like, if he was to fight Dave Bautista, there's just, forget it, he's going to break you in half. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like there needs to be much as you know with all these things like you're trying to overthrow an empire or you know this this insurmountable thing there needs to be a a physical manifestation of that that you can fight one-on-one at the moment there isn't that for him so i feel like that's what that's obviously what and it now that i know that that character exists it's like right well there you go that's where it is and he'll come into it in the next one probably yeah um but i feel like yeah again in terms of making this a satisfying film in and of its own right you could have had that with batista and Duncan and it would have been different from the book I know but it would have had it would you would have had that you know good versus evil mano a mano fight and I think it would have been too Hollywood it would have been yeah but some you know I like Hollywood I th- <laughs> yeah but that's the, this is the same thing that like when you look at Game of Thrones and it it's it's the uh subverting the expectations that you might have had from like a standard narrative like when you get to the end of season one and Ned Stark dies like that doesn't happen. No, you know, that's what I mean. He, the, he might the, have to run off and hide and then, you know, grab it, get his forces and come back, like defying the expectations that within that losing uh, Leto early on is, is that sort of almost that equivalent. And then yeah, that's what I feel like having that, Duncan then... be the, the superhero esque character, the legendary warrior mm. for in battle to demonstrate, you know, yes, he is this legendary warrior. And yeah, he took down what nine or 10, of the Sardukar, 
but he's still human. Yeah, I think all of these people are still. With, I think you could have done that, but just have it be Dave Batista who killed him. Do you know what I mean? They could have yeah, gone, you know, stabbed him in the back or something. Or yeah, I don't know. Like he just he invokes some sort of you know I have a right to a clean death or something. So he, and then they put him, like even though he's been beaten to shit, they put so he's like he's out of half his his normal capacity. Mm. And Batista walks up and they have like a, a little bit of a skirmish and then he beats him and it's like right yeah well that's what this first this first movie is like the Empire Strikes Back is where we look, all the good guys lose. And it's still that yeah. sort of subversion of expectations because in most Hollywood movies, Duncan would have beaten him and saved the day, um, and the you know and all the rest of it. So I feel like it would just be an extra sort of gut punch to have it. From yeah, it's it. like a mountain in the Viper. Yeah, and, and not but that's the thing. Shown, like the Beast like, isn't isn't isn't. I think that's sort of with the casting there because he's not so much. He's not just a, like he is a big physical like intimidating character, and he is a warrior. But by casting Dave Bautista, you're casting someone that looks like a fighter rather than like a frightening sort of military general who's been nicknamed the Beast because of his uh, malevolence. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I love Dave Bautista. Like, I think he's great. I think he's a bit of a knob sometimes, but at the same time, like, I think for someone that's like really wants to do and be better at his craft. I think he's amazing and being in these positions, but I think it's slightly miscast here. Yeah. I think having somebody that's a little bit less of a physical, actually, I don't know, because even so, like when you think about like uh, Skarsgård, having Stellan in there, like he's a big guy. Like he's not just, um, a huge fat monster like he is in this like demonstration of all the excesses and and you know has to have like a gravity belt to be able to move because he's so fat um that's one thing that i really like is they still kept that in like having him as this frightening hovering character it gives him sort of like a um you know that's kind of like vibe like some sort of wraith evil presence yeah, but yeah, Skarsgård loved his fat suit so much he wanted there to be more um, nude scenes. Apparently, really, yeah, that's something I read the other day. Yeah, yeah, because and and one thing like uh, I don't know, it's just probably my my internal uh, imagery that I had was, you know, that when they describe him as the book, he's so fat that he can barely move, like on his own. So when you see him in this, you're like, he's really fat, but like, I, I've seen you know, my 600 pound life and he's smaller than some of those and they can still walk. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Like, I, know. I think it's that excess thing where like, cause he floats, isn't he? And they don't really explain yeah. how, but he just floats. But yeah, he, you see the, like... um, uh, when you first see him, when he's sat naked, you see the, like, the red thing yeah. in, uh, in his, like, there's like embedded mm. in his, um, in his spine, in his spine, whereas it's a belt in the, um, in the book like a grav belt and then uh like duncan's got one as well which is, explains like how duncan can jump so high and like drops in from places and they're they it's established that they are rare but not impossibly rare yeah so like the real like the side can't have them as well so they can't fly but they can like slow their fall and they can like jump a lot higher and stuff like that 
but they're like uh baron harkonnen is just so fat that he uses him just to ease the weight so that he can walk yeah um but just yeah he's uh, the fact that yeah he, he, the fact that he floats it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the um the uh wally thing yeah where it's like it's like because that he's meant to be this depiction of decadence and just like they have got like just ludicrously wealthy off the back of having this planet for 80 years and he's meant to be the embodiment of that and so this idea that he's got so lazy that he doesn't even walk anymore because he doesn't have to because he's got this like yeah. everything he just glides everywhere and so he's become this big gelatinous big fucking fat fucker and like he's barely got any bones left which is what wally ended up being like everyone just floats around on these chairs and they, yeah. we turned into cartoon people and on the on the view screens we're real people well <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. That's, what, that's what it reminded me of a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. And it and it's yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. And like they, they say about the um like the excess when they talk about the trees. Yeah. Like when they talk about the palace that they move into, like mm. that's that's very much the same. But what they do say is um uh they they make comment of it and like Paul does say even then he's like well, should we, should, should we get rid of them? And he's like, no, you can't do that. Like, like, think about what uh, what effect this would have if you cut those trees down now after the years of all the watering that's been done to cultivate them, and there's the a reflection of it because, it, like, again in the book, there's like fountains and there's all sorts of stuff, and people outside the walls are like having to drink like sweat and tears and like condensation from their steel suits whereas um they've got like fountains and they're like watering plants and stuff like that but yeah like you say like the demonstration of the excess is oh fuck this film's so good <laughs> yeah uh, i'm looking forward to watching it again actually um cool all right so i think yeah anything anything else to say i mean we could no I feel I... like you could go on forever couldn't you I could, yeah, I could be here all day, but alas, I'm going pumpkin, pumpkin picking. Oh, really? So, yeah, man. Fair enough. Halloween and shit, isn't it? It is, it is indeed. Cool. All right. Um, well, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, I know we've been off for a couple of weeks. Uh, but we're back, and we've got a like packed schedule over the next few weeks. We've got loads <laughs> coming up. So we, we've got yeah. this. Um, we're also we're going to go and see the new Edgar Wright film, uh, Last Night in Soho. Um, which, yeah, which looks very interesting. It's been getting lots of good reviews and stuff. Um, so we're going to see that. Um, Eternals is out next week. Um, so that'll be interesting to see it, like, especially off the back of this, giving you know, Marvel are trying to do a, a big, you know, thousand years spanning sci fi spectacle. Um, in amongst yeah. all these, like, the, the Asimov and the and the Frank Herbert um adaptations, um, they're having a crack at it with someone like Chloe Zhao doing it. So it's interesting that that comes, yeah, up when it does. Um, so that's next week, um, last night in Soho. And then we've also got this month, we've got Ghostbusters. Um, so there's a yes. new Ghostbusters out. So we are going to be able to do, hopefully, um, time permitting, a grand rewatch and go back and watch the original Ghostbuster movies um, and probably the the newer one, the Melissa McCarthy um, first attempt at a reboot um, before they're doing this new re-reboot. Re-reboot. <laughs> Re-reboot. Um, so yeah, loads coming up. Um, we're back on it. Um, and so thank you for listening. Let us know what you thought of Dune. June. Um, or June. Dune. 
June, Dune. June, June, June. June. D D D. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Dune. 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 June. Was that, you said June. June with the J. You said you said June. Okay. What? I was saying June. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not listening. a facetious prick. <laughs> right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see yeah. you on the next. Thanks, one. everyone. See you next time. And um, bye. 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 Just one last thing to say. Um, good luck, young human. I hope you live. <laughs> yeah. That's a new way of saying goodbye to people now, isn't it? Yeah. Hannah didn't appreciate it when I said this earlier. <laughs> just just kind of take the bin out. <laughs>